Welcome, everybody, to episode 173 of the Metabolist 2 podcast. It features myself, Ben. And I am David. And I am Peter. Hey, Peter. Welcome to the Metabolist 2 podcast. Thank you for the invite. Welcome to our podcast. So I've known Peter for, geez, it's... It's more than five years. Is it going on like seven or eight years on, on Gallifrey Base? Our internet relationship, David, yeah. It's got to be <laughs> seven or eight years, I, I would think, in anonymity. <laughs> yeah. We hang out a lot on the Games of Rassilon section, and Peter always kicks off a lot of marathon games and uh, cup games. and We muck about, don't we? We muck about. Yeah, and so uh, he and I are probably the... Uh, primary game setters aside from the big ones like stanmore's who cup and the uh top three tournament but oh, other than that we kind of keep that section going we i do, think david is we we just keep coming up with new ideas and how we can make a new list yes <laughs> the best and that is it that's all we're trying to do is we're trying to ascertain which is the most mediocre story that will win a competition because <laughs> everything is tactical and mm-hmm. and everything is the anti-vote isn't it it's yes. it's i will stop this story winning mm-hmm. <laughs> this, I'm so the, of it being popular it's sort of like i know this is your favorite story so that's the first story i'm going to vote out <laughs> Absolutely. How it goes. We know, and this is the this is the critical thing for the doctor who fans is never never show your hand Mm-mm. Because the minute you tell somebody you like a story, somebody else is going to boot it, and that's how it works. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's how fickle we all are. <laughs> Doctor so, Who have, have, have you two ever met? Um, obviously, you've not met like in person. Um, well, maybe mm-hmm. not obviously, but anyway, I'm assuming you're not met in person. But have you met over any? It, the 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 friendship is through is only through typing on a keyboard, right? Yes. We talked for the first time a couple days ago. Yeah, cool. That's awesome. Kind of a dry run, yeah. It was yeah, yesterday yeah. morning UK time. <laughs> yesterday morning, okay. Yeah, it, it was. It was uh, near midnight UK. my time, yeah. and I think about seven or eight your time. Yeah. yeah. Wow. There you go. This is the miracle of the modern world. <laughs> we can connect, and it's also it's the miracle of Doctor Who brings people together from across the globe. Doesn't it just Ben? That's that's exactly the case. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Doctor Who fans tend to be a good bunch. They got souls mostly. Yeah, we're good people. So, kind of our standard lead-off question is: How did you get into who, and what was your first doctor? Okay, I cannot remember a time of never being out of who, let alone be into who. Right. My (laughs) earliest memories of childhood television, you know, with my family, it was always Doctor Who. You know, it was the one program that I would watch. We can, you know, every Saturday without missing, it was the one I would shout about. It's the one I, if I was out, I'd want to be in. And it wasn't, you know, I was very young. I was very young. So, you know, I was born in 68 and I can mm-hmm. remember, that, and I know Ben's very similar with this, that his yeah. earliest memory is the Sea Devil Omnibus. I can remember the Sea Devil Omnibus thinking how great it was. I couldn't have been very old, four years old, three years, I don't know. Can't be very yeah. old for the Sea Devils omnibus. I remember being freaked out by the Sea Devil on the rig, you know, when he's mm-hmm. stalking them. Uh, and then and my next clear memory is sitting watching the Three Doctors with my father, right, and saying, "Dad, who's that man with the black hair? And who's that man on the monitor?" You know, and and it's a yeah. story here from other fans of similar age. They can remember. Yeah, that's. It. I mean, that's exactly. I mean, you've just described my memories yeah, exactly. The Sea Devils on Omnibus was the first thing I watched, and then the second thing I watched was with my parents watching the Three Doctors, and I could not believe my mother when she told me that the small man with the dark hair, like, used to be the Doctor. Yeah. Like, you're just nonsense. It, why, it why are you telling me that, that you age, fool? It's, it's, it is. You got. You got the ultimate wow factor. Yeah. Oh. It kind of. It kind of. It blew my mind. Blew my mind. Can, you can compare it to. There wasn't anything yeah. to compare it to at all. So yeah. so when I know I would have watched Doctor Who week in, week out, um, I have a, a void of around... In a, my parents um, ended up separating and then getting divorced, and they sold the television. Oh. And, oh, and, and so I have no recollection of watching the Android Invasion first time around. Huh. Wow. So I can remember, you know, I can remember every story and things that were happening. You know, my sister's being scared, literally behind the counter, uh, the, the sofa rather. And um, but I, you know, my my, my parents got uh, separated in November nineteen seventy five. I'm just looking Android Invasion, and we had right. to move house. We lived in a very large four bedroom house, and we, we had to move into little terrace. My dad had to move out, get his own place. Mm-hmm. Right. And and the criminal part of all this 
is we had a colour television, which was yeah. finger touch sensitive, and it was amazing. It was the present for us kids. Mm-hmm. But when my parents sold it, we didn't get a split. <laughs> you know, we we ended up back on a, a little black and white telly when yeah. when when the, when the separation happened. So, I you know, it, I, that's when when my parents were separating. We had no TV. And that is the only story on block that I pretty much missed right up until survival. Huh. Really? It's just, it was part of my life was watching yeah. Doctor Who. Yeah. yeah. So and the emotional connection I have with those years uh, stays with me today. So, yeah. so when I listen to you guys podcasting and disrespecting yeah. the mask of Mandragora, or, or <laughs> kind of it, I'm shouting at you. Well, guys, you know, because um, to to me, I I would I was a small. Of course, I would have adored. Sarah was like a big sister when you're a boy that age, and Mm -hmm. I found it. I mean, obviously, we're going to go all over the place here, aren't we? Fine, yeah. But I loved the Judith Parish Eldred. Yeah, yes. And you know, the first episode, you could feel a lot of empathy for her. Mm-hmm. And then you get the big grotty old episode four Eldred, being, you know, <laughs> and 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 you just want the doctor to trip him up as soon as possible, right? You know, and because there was you didn't have that connection with the with that, and and, and so it's the whole story. So when I think of Hand of Fear, I think of nothing but emotions hmm. and joy back to that time. I, I, you know, I I can't I can't say anything bad about it. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and I'll leave that to you guys. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, okay. So so uh, yeah. Um, obviously, I was alluded to the separation of my parents. My grandmother then yeah. moved in, and she was already a big Doctor Who fan. She, she lived down in Chatham in Kent. Okay, and she was already watching Doctor Who down there because uh, we mm-hmm. we'd emigrated up north. Right. So it wasn't a problem. So so my grand became part of my. Uh, she was my viewing partner. And and then she got me into Blake Seven because I, I when I used to finish my school school homework, right. have tea, I'd go out with my friends, and I'd come back in in the evenings, and my grand say, "Oh, I watched Blake Seven today. It was great. You know, you're missing this. You'd love it." And it was only till mm-hmm. um, season three of Blake Seven, or did they call it seriously, that that I got into it. But uh, right. no, it was great. I say it's great. It, I really enjoyed living with my grandmother because she she was a big fan of horror films, which meant she'd let me stay up till midnight on a Friday <laughs> night to watch a horror film on BBC One or BBC. You know that was our relationship. Don't yeah. tell your mum and dad. Yeah. <laughs> was it Hammer films then on BBC? Oh yeah, yeah invariably. They used to show Hammer. Yeah, I I mean I I my my mum and dad there's no way in hell that they would let me stay up. Late to watch my mum and dad wouldn't. This is my yeah. grandma you, and grandma's, yeah, grandma's, are, are wonderful, yeah. grandma's aren't they? Grandma, grandma's are the givers of cake and nice yeah. things. I, I mean, I got into Terry Nation Survivors, yeah, um, right. because I think on at least three occasions we had a babysitter that night, and and so the babysitter let me watch a show that my parents would would not have approved of me watching. Of course, yeah, um, and because you know because those very very small snippets of watching of a long series the kind of because it's so special kind of seared into your brain um and then you just become a huge fan of the whole thing um and yeah it's it's kind of kind of how it works so did 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 your grand watch from the very beginning do she'd start watching 63 do you know um my, my i mean obviously i can't ask anymore who? but but uh, yeah. i didn't get the impression she did because she mm-hmm. was a, a west country girl and she spent a lot of her Oh, I mean, this is a whole other story. Perhaps we'll have to talk another time about this. Uh-huh. But my, my granddad um, did the dirty on her uh. back in 1950s after the war and left her on her own with my mum and my auntie. Yeah. And she uh-huh. had to make her way. She, she eventually made her way cross country to from Friar Bristol, Southampton. She got to London to find work, ended up in Kent. And wow. she would have never settled down. So she was always working and trying to raise two girls through yeah. the 50s and 60s. So... Television would have been a massive, massive luxury, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. for, for for a, a woman in that situation. Yeah. Right. Whereas my granddad, because I loved him as well, yeah, he was just he was a very the old fashioned sea dog. He really did have a girl in every port. Huh. Really? So when you say West Country, it was sort of Portsmouth or De- something Devon, like that. Devon, North Devon, Devon. Uh, right, he North was born Devon. in a little oh, okay. fishing village called Heartland Key. Right. On the north coast, seven miles from anywhere. I mean, my wow. mum lives there now, you know, because that was her birthplace. 
yeah. Different world, lads, wasn't it? It's a different world. We can't yeah, imagine yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And the, the, the other thing that I always find interesting talking to American folks is, um, it's probably getting way off topic here, but anyway, we'll, no, we'll, we'll bring it back to... to yeah, we'll get there eventually. Is, 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 what, is what a valuable piece of equipment a television was... And I, I, I think, I think certainly with you, with my American huh. friends, um, you know, people of my age, you te- televisions were a lot more available and they were cheaper. Um, but, but certainly in, in Britain in the sixties and seventies, a television was like, you know, it was like a car. It was like a major piece of equipment that you had in your house. Um, yeah. And my parents hmm. never bought a television. They always, they always rented one because they didn't want to have such a valuable thing, you know, in their house, basically. No, you'd get burgled for your television, wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. No, a television was like, oh, okay, it's a television, huh. you know. And, and and I was, again, was always amazed, well, yeah. um, uh, you know, discovering where people had, like, two TVs in their house. But no, like, I mean, you just reminded me, Ben. I mean, we would have neighbours. We, we had, like I say, we had this very modern 1975 colour TV. Right. The neighbours used to come round and watch it as well. Yeah. And, I, and I'll, oh. I'll tell you the story. I'm, I'm sorry because I know we haven't got a lot of time today. <laughs> but on Thursday nights, Top of the Pops was on, on BBC right. One, and it would clash with the $6 million man. Oh. So I, I didn't care about Top of the Pops, but my na- my mum's friends were coming around to watch Top of the Pops. Uh-huh. And, 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 and to me, but Lee Majors... Steve right. Austin, the Barney Man. <laughs> you know, we, we got, what's the, there's no debate here. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was, um, yeah. The idiot's lantern was a magic box. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had, the, I had the same thing at school. I, w- I was a, I was at a boarding school, and there was one, and you know, it was boarding school. It was, you know, it was a reasonably expensive place to spend your time. But there was one television. Huh. And when they showed the three faces of Doc, it was, I think it was the the that repeat season in the eighties, which is oh, when yeah, I was five saying. faces, yeah. the five five faces, eighty two, that cla- that clashed with the old grey whistle test. <gasps> um, and so, all, and I, I I could care less about like music and stuff. And it was like, this, this, and I was a, I was a younger kid, so all the older kids came in and they you know they changed the channel to to music and it's like no we want to watch doctor who what the hell mm. so yeah it's it's it, tvs are funny you know they're not they were huh. they're they're a they're a rare device all the way up until the 80s really in some circumstances so because because ben you know people often talk about how a song might place them at a certain place in time in their lives you know they can yeah. remember and i can remember this with my doctor who episodes i can think right. where i was who if i had fret you know and i remember the little or the games with my sisters or my dad pretending to be uh, Morbius monster, yeah, chasing us. <laughs> or has I gone in the stairway hiding? Because oh, wow. that's what my dad was interactive. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, thank you for scaring the shit out of us. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. So your dad would watch along with you and your yeah, grand, well, or more, more. Well, once my mother and father separated, Saturday mm-hmm. Doctor Who was the routine. We would always oh. go to my dad on Saturdays. Really? And we would yeah. watch Doctor Who as a family, me and my three sisters, and yeah. that was it. And like yeah. I say, it, it was it was uh, part of my growing up. It was just yeah. just yeah. normal. Were your sisters into it as much as you? Or? When they were younger, yeah. I mean, I can still talk. I got a sister a year older. She's the oldest of the four of us, and she she'll still say to me, "Do you remember those mummies in Pyramids of Mars? You know, yeah. weren't they scary? <laughs> you know." Yeah. And then yeah. I would like to try and scare because they were girls. I would try and scare them, pretending to be the monsters as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my older sister, yeah, my younger sister's not so much because they would have been just too young to hold the memories. I think. Yeah, right. but but they yeah. were there. I mean, I think, I mean, this, I mean, we've talked about this on the, on the, on the podcast, but I mean, I think, because I think one of the, you know, USPs of our podcast in some ways is that, you know, it's a British and American experience and kind of matching those together. But I've talked about this, how kind of integral watching Doctor Who was to family life in certainly in the 70s, which is, you know, of course, when I was so intensely involved in the show. And in some ways, how different that is to the American experience, where it's more kind of an after school, a particular kind of kid would be watching Doctor Who and Doctor Who would be on a loop. It would happen over and over and over and over and over and over again for us. A, we watched it with our families and that was incredibly important. And B, it was one episode a week. Yeah. And, and if you, if you missed that episode, too bad. Absolutely. And that's why, why you would, well, certainly I would ensure I did not miss an episode. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it was too, 
such a, a an important part of my weekend, you know, and, and yeah. what, of what I wanted to do. So my childhood was quite unsettled in that we had this separation right. early on. We kept moving houses. We kept changing schools. But you know what? Every every Saturday, I still had my Doctor Who. Uh-huh. You know, so it didn't matter who I was living with. My, my mother, both father, my grandmother is is. I was explained to David yesterday. My my morals and my philosophies were laid out by watching Doctor Who as a because that was the impression of how yeah. people should be. We should be kind. We should be respectful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we should always try to help each other and yeah. and build this complete and total pacifist you've got in front of you. Yeah. You know, this, <laughs> because, it's, 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 because it's, it's, it's absolutely was taught. Yeah, it's absolutely true. You know, the show teaches you that the only option you have is to be a good person. Yeah, um, and, and again, further into that, I would explore. I was explaining about horror, Fang Rock took me to the poetry of Wilfred Gibson because oh, I wanted fantastic. to read the Ballad of Flan I wanted to know the whole story. Um, right. I wanted to learn about the laws of thermodynamics. Curse you, Bidmead! It directed you to to learn. Right. I would, go yeah, to, yeah. I would want yep. to know what they were talking about. I wanted to know mm-hmm. whatever whatever came on Doctor Who. I wanted to know more about it. Yeah. So it, made, it yeah. even made learning interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it provided a hook. Yeah, and and so and so I was an early kid at school. I did know things that the kids didn't know. But thanks, Doctor Who, reading the targets. You know, I started reading the targets probably I was about ten years old, mm-hmm. and and I would find words and I would use the words. I'd write my English essays. I would take words. Up. Teacher would say to me, "What does that word mean?" And and. I'd say that means see through. It was incandescent. It was in Planet of the Spiders, and he said, "Bring me the book." Mm-hmm. And I took my Planet of the Spiders novel, Tony Stick there, and it was talking about <laughs> the the Great One and, and glowing with incandescence, uh, you know, yeah. at, 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 towards the end. And he's just constantly picking up new words, thanks to yeah. Uncle Terry. I, I can remember asking my parents what a megalomaniac was. Oh yeah, and they were like. Why? Why are you asking us? Where did you yeah. read that word? And I read. I was. It was in the Green Death, and they were talking about bosses. Bosses described as a megalomaniac, you know, in the book. And I can remember how flabbergasted my mum was, you yeah. know, because like, why is this child of like eight years old or however old I was like asking us like what a megalomaniac is? Like, what 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 what, what kind of book is he reading? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like in the shops where for Target novels, so did they always did like all the booksellers and uh, news agents have like a complete range that you could just choose from, or did you have to hunt and search for them? Depends on where it was, who it was, and when it was. Right. But certainly in the late nineties, early eighties, any reputable bookseller like W. H. Smith, they would always certainly in Manchester Arndale, there would always be twenty to thirty titles. Uh-huh. So okay. you always had a good selection. The problem mm-hmm. was once you had all those, you were then right. going to smaller shops, which perhaps had an older book but hadn't sold it, to get mm-hmm. perhaps a, a, an earlier edition of a novel. You know, and mm-hmm. and it was then a case of keeping on top of it. I mean, I can remember we did woodwork. I don't know if schools still do woodwork. I, I, I remember my, my teacher. He said, well, "I said I want to make a bookshelf. I want want to have fifty Doctor Who books on it." And at the time, I think there was only 30, but I was that optimistic that there's going to be more Doctor <laughs> Who books. But right. Peter's project is very, very optimistic, he said. Mm-hmm. No, because I, was, I, was, I wasn't very good at woodwork. <laughs> That's the truth. But I carried on collecting the books. And I, and I, and I think I mentioned on a, on a Gallifrey basis, I recently acquired a first edition of every target going back to 1973. It took me about a year. Hardbacks or, or the, the paperbacks? paperbacks. Paperbacks, yeah, uh, okay, then yeah. You might be familiar with the value of the hardbacks. I don't know. Oh, yeah. We didn't get crazy. I had a full set, including the multiple editions, <sighs> up until 2010. Oh, so we're talking 170 odd hardbacks, not oh ex library, as good as the day they were published. Mm. Wow. You know, they were wow. pristine condition. And I, I have a scientist friend, and he offered okay. me fifteen thousand pounds for my book. So I said yes, thank you. <laughs> and that was in two thousand and ten. Today they're probably worth thirty thousand pounds for the full set. Wow! Because the books are becoming rarer, and, and they you know, are rarer. Yeah, because um, they're not. I mean, certainly the hardbacks were really only for libraries. Yeah, yeah um, I mean the, those are, the original were two hardbacks were Autumn Invasion and Cave Monsters, and if you can get get them with the original dust wrappers without any library stamps. You can pay fifteen hundred pounds for a book now easily, for yeah. for just one of those. I mean, the more the the eighties laminates like Time Lash might still right. go for ten fifteen quid. 
but it's still yeah. 10 or 15 quid. You know? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, no, uh, it's, yeah it's... so so I did um, my other collection, I, I used to collect autograph photographs. Oh, very so, cool. So I had, I, there was a time, and this was before um, hard time set in, but I I had all the doctors except for Billy Hartnell. I'd never got right. Roger Delgado. Um, right. And the other tough one to get was Jacqueline Hill. Oh, so I, right. I had most of the principal actors from 63 to up to Sly McCoy and, and Sophie. I had had all, wow. you know, the Brigadier, Benson, Yates, except for like maybe four or five. The other tough one to get was Adrian Hill, who, Katerina. Right. Yeah. So, well, so her, so, so Bill, Bill Hartnell's, Jacqueline Hill, Adrian Hill were, were the, and um, Degardos were the tough ones, mm-hmm. the ones I never had. I've still got a lot. I mean, I sold because once people find out I had them, they might say, I'll give you £100 for that one or whatever. And I say, go on then. Mm-hmm. But um, I've still got a lot of them. Still got a lot. Well, Jackie Hill would have been particularly hard because she died early on, like early 90s, like 93 or something like yeah. that. So before, before even the right after the show was put on hiatus, perpetual hiatus in 89. So, and before even there was a resurgence of interest with the tv movie yeah i mean there was a famous or infamous ebay scam wasn't there because i can't say exactly it was for example it was a 1979 doctor who annual signed by william hartnell mm. oh yeah it can't have been could it it can't have been signed by william hartnell right mm. so, so you've got to be careful you know right so i think ostensibly we're going kind of going through the baker years because those are the years and you know for better or for worse tom baker is the archetype in many ways of the doctor and i think we're wanting to talk about season 18 right david uh, peter you're the guest where would you like to start I, I don't mind i mean just because i i you know i've listened to to perhaps most of your podcasts now I may, may go, <laughs> oh dear one, thank one you of, one, of, I, one of the things i learned is that is is that ben never does any research <laughs> and he's very reactive to something like crap, sir. um the other thing i know is that in in these 173 podcasts, I think in about 89 of them, Ben has always indicated that one of the actresses was always very good looking. <laughs> well, well, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, change my mind, change my mind. Well, I, want, I, but... I mean, no, the thing is, well, is this you can edit all this out? What I'm about to say. So, so, so the thing is, when you're certainly a hormonal boy growing up, you, you, you. you you fell in love every week with somebody else. Mm. So so you had you had Sarah was your big sister. You didn't fall in love yep. with Sarah. That was fine. Yep. But but as I as I'm getting a bit older, I could fall in love with Madame Lamia in Androids of Tara. <laughs> For four weeks she was my girl. Yeah. You know, and, and I am a bit older still, I could love Perry to to, to the day I die, eh, David? Yeah. <laughs> I can love Nicola Bryant forever, can't I? Um, She's a lovely lady. But um Camilla, the state of decay. I found it very alluring because I was watching Hammer horror films as well. True. Oh, yeah. yeah. The yeah. lady vampires yeah. were always very alluring. Yeah. Not the yeah. Well, that was Lala Ward. Did Christopher Lee. Did she play? Yeah, she was in the, the yeah. vampire circus, wasn't she? Yeah. The vampire circus. But you, but I, well, the, the thing about Stage of Decay for me, actually, and this is interesting thinking about your experience, Peter, is that is that I, uh, I'd not seen a Hammer movie. Um, so in some ways, my when I watched dated decay so um in some ways you know my first experience of that kind of hammer vibe which is totally what state of decay is really was actually watching state of, state well, of decay yeah. um which but for you i'm imagining it might have been slightly you know well, kind of reverse wise it was more confirmation in that if if i'm gonna get, right. get attacked by a vampire it needs to be one of those ladies yeah, and, and, yeah, and yeah I, exactly. I will let it happen. I will let it happen. Yeah. You know? Just let it, just let it wash be, over you. Exactly. Where's my cross? I don't need that. Yeah. <laughs> it's wooden stakes. Yeah. Don't need those. Lie back and think of England. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So since you were having early memories from the Pertwee era, and then mm. you lived through the first, for you would be the first credit change or the opening change when we go from the swirl around to the time tunnel in season 11. So I'm wondering, did that register with you or did the first big change in the 80s? For, for me, the, the first big change was the Perby regeneration. Mm-hmm. Because again, I'm with my slightly older sister right. and, and suddenly me and my sister, we're all doing hands around the table. Um, buddy, buddy, you know, we're all trying to summon spiders. <laughs> Which is ridiculous because she is so scared of spiders. <laughs> but but that, that was our next thing, was that we'd, we'd all be around the table. We're as kids, we'd all be trying to... So when 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 I've got this John Pertwee regenerating, 
I, I'm in a state state of junior shock because right. it, it it was um, upsetting. It's upsetting. Mm-hmm. But more, what was more upsetting was several weeks later, I see him on ITV doing a show called Who Done It as a as a host, yeah. and he's and right. okay, you know, and he's there and he's messing around, and his normal voice is not he's not the doctor anymore. Right. He's a game host. Yeah. So he's open shirt and chains. Just yeah, he's very nineteen seventies. No more ruffles. And so, and so, so you've got to get your, your small brain around that. You know, it's yeah. it's what's mm-hmm. gone on here because that was my first experience. So Tom Baker's coming in in Robot, uh-huh. and we're loving him. You know, we're, we're loving Tom. Episode one, Robot. We love Tom Baker. Mm-hmm. He's messing around. He's, he's changed his costume. He's done that silly routine, and then the brigadiers come in. Come along, Doctor. And, you know, and he's mm-hmm. got his hat and scarf back on. And that's it for the next seven years, you know? Yeah. So you took to him right away then? It was a perfect transformation. And I didn't feel any hostility or any disappointment or really any... I mean, it was shocking that the third Doctor had gone. It was shocking that John Pertwee was now John Pertwee and not the Doctor anymore. But the, I didn't feel any any dislocation at all. I took to, to Tom Baker Yes, immediately. once we got Tom on screen, there's no losses there. There was no, there was, yeah, it was like, oh yeah, okay, it's the Doctor. Cool, great, let's get on with it. And I think, you know, and I, 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 and I again, I'm just repeating myself from, from other episodes of the podcast. Uh, I mean, you know, I, in some ways, I'm, I'm kind of a de- against this kind of lengthy regeneration. There's got to be a watcher. The first story after a generation has got to be all about the yeah. regeneration. I guess I kind of enjoy those now a little bit more because I'm able to step back from it. Um, but I, I do actually think it's was it's a mistake to make such a fuss about regeneration. What is awesome about those first regenerations is there wasn't any fuss. It was just like, bang, right, here's a new doctor. Yeah, Let's and, get on with it. And I think that the TARDIS family of Tom, Harry and Sarah was, yeah. was mm. kind of perfect as well, especially for Wonderful. for young people, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. there was so you felt so safe, didn't you? You you're safe with Harry and Sarah, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They're, they're and you had that happen. you had that segue from Sarah was rolled over to Tom Baker from yeah. from John. Um and then you had Harry come in and Harry, you know, again on the on, on paper, it sounds like the kind of character that absolutely isn't gonna work. You know, what is it, like a naval the na- you know, surgeon commander yeah. Harry Sullivan or something? Like what 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 is that? It's it's again, I mean as I think we said before on the podcast, you know, it's like a it's a Terence Dix kind of thinking about Bulldog Drummond and those thirties kind of square jawed heroes. But Ian Martyr just brings so much humanity and just relatability to that role. And uh, you know, Sarah's your young, well, for me, you know, Sarah's your younger sister and, and Harry's your older brother. Yeah. Um, and the doctor's your, your immensely cool dad, you know, and you're off <laughs> doing it, you're off having adventures. Yeah, we, we, we couldn't be in safer hands, but, you know, yep. and, and, and so that was for the entire Tom Baker era. This is, this is my, my feeling now is this is wonderful, wonderful Doctor Who. This is yeah. fantastic mm-hmm. television. Um, I, I've got two incidences I can share with you guys. And one was at yeah. primary school. And it was after Horror Fan Rock, which I think was at the start of a new school term, September, October. Yeah, it so was. It yeah. was. It was the f- And yep, I can remember yep. saying, I had a mate, and I mentioned him to the day, he was also called Peter. And I remember saying to my friend called Peter, who I knew watched Doctor Who, isn't this the best time to be watching Doctor Who? Because we'd finished the previous school term with Robots of Death, Wen Chiang. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. And this was continuing. I'm rolling over and I'm saying, this is, I'm nine years old. And I'm saying, what a great time to be watching Doctor <laughs> Who. It's, it's, it's just, it just gets better and better. Yeah. Right. And it was probably 1980. And we're now into season 18 territory. We've mm. just we've had the Leisure Hive, Megalos, which are not regarded so highly in fandom. And I think we got to full circle, it mate. And I and I remember saying to Peter, the same Peter, because we went on to high school together. Right. Isn't Doctor Who great? It just gets better and better. <laughs> because because there wasn't anything that I wasn't enjoying for the uh-huh. episode right. week in, week out. I watched it with open eyes, enthusiasm, and I was riveted mm-hmm. and and I enjoyed it, and 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 if you can't enjoy it, then don't watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so every episode. Yeah, no one's I'll, making you watch it exactly. And I watched it by choice. The, exactly. It was that awesome. Uh, the A team. I don't know what the choice was. It's <laughs> 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 not a choice. Uh, no, there was. That's Hobson's choice, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, Hobson's so, choice. Yeah. So the whole Doctor Who experience mm-hmm. from Pertwee into Baker. 
and then on to Davison. Now there was a change for Davison because I, I was very resentful that Tom decided to call it a day. I didn't want him to leave either. <laughs> you know, he should, he should stay that in that role till he died. Mm-hmm. You know, that was how I was feeling at that. You know, right. twelve years old. Right. Because like seven he, years you know, or something. You know, you've like got to it. think how impressionable kids are. And mm-hmm. Tom Baker had been there now for seven years, wasn't it? Seven right. years. So yeah, that I think so, was yeah. pretty much all my my memories and 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 headspace was was Tom Baker mm-hmm. being the doctor. So when when we found out he's leaving, and and I I used to have this these paper routes. So I when when the news broke, I was reading every newspaper that belonged to somebody else, by the way. But I would read it before <laughs> I posted it to find right. out about who was this Peter Davison guy, you know. And mm-hmm. and uh, and I will not pretend that the, that my I had a lot more trouble getting emotionally attached to anything Davison from Tom Baker. Mm-hmm. Now, also, I'm becoming very hormonal because <laughs> I'm at right. that age. You know, uh, <laughs> right. my, my little high voice is getting deeper <laughs> so, because that's what happens to us all. <laughs> um, and I always felt it was never quite the same. Mm-hmm. I found Pete Davison quite lightweight by comparison in the way he delivered the role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I found the way of writing was a bit different. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they yeah. moved the difference between Leisure Hive and Horns of Nymon. There is actually a really big <laughs> yeah, contrast, it's, it's big, and that's big just that's the end yeah. of one season to the start of the next. But the difference in the way the stories were delivered, and I've treated myself today because I've watched the Leisure Hive and Megloss today. Oh, okay, cool. I've had a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the high, that's my fun, and. Um, mm-hmm. With this podcast in mind, because I'm thinking, remembering the things that you enjoy with two very, should we call them below average regarded Tom Baker stories. Right. Hmm. But looking at the contrast hmm. to Horns of Nymon, there's still comedy. There's still funny lines in there, mm-hmm. but it's very science orientated. Both stories have mm-hmm. got that big mark on them. Right. Tachyons. Right. Chronic I've hysteresis. Always, yeah. <laughs> I've always liked Ledger Hive. I don't know why it gets to stick. Now, Megalos, I can understand a little bit more. Maybe it's because of uh, Jacqueline Hill returning and this, yeah. the story itself maybe isn't um, up to snuff. But you still, like you said, still have all that well, mid math with the, like the chronic hysteresis and stuff. I can get people would comment on Jacqueline Hill's return. What a wasted opportunity. Mm-hmm. If, if you were 11, 12 years old, it is possible you didn't even know Jacqueline Hill was Barbara. Yeah. It is possible. Yeah. Unless you were an avid Doctor Who weekly and monthly reader, which I was, that was your gold mine. That that was your your internet of information was Doctor Who. Yeah. Anything we learned, we learned from there. Yeah. And so I didn't mind mm-hmm. people saying Jacqueline Hill was miscast. Jacqueline Hill would have gone through a process of um interviews and suitability for the role. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the people who, who were casting obviously felt she was good for the role. Mm-hmm. That she would play yeah. some God fearing person living underground and dodecahedron right. guys tell me you didn't go away and find out what a dodecahedron was <laughs> i i already knew and i hated them so <laughs> oh see see i was playing so i was playing dungeons, dungeons and dragons and, dragons, oh, and so that was the sites of the you dice already, you already so. had one <laughs> you yeah. had your own yeah. i mean i think yeah. I, th- I think you are right about yeah. jacqueline hill I was aware of the existence of Barbara because, of course, I you know I was reading all the Target books, yeah. um, and by then you know I'd, I'd read all of them at that point, so I knew that Barbara was the thing. I didn't know what Barbara looked like. I mean, I guess you know there were kind of grainy photocopies in fanzines, and there were various pictures in in I think yeah Doctor Who magazine was um, was going then, but you know it would have made no sense for a kids show to bring back someone from nineteen sixty four. Um, into no, a show it's... in 1980. I mean, that just doesn't... I mean, you can get it to a degree today. It's the old uh, over-fan indulgence, isn't it, of bringing yeah. back the old characters into new situations. I mean, you know, as a fan now, I'm like, ah, they should have brought back Barbara because Barbara's an amazing character. Yeah. But as a as a kid watching the show at that time, that would have made no sense to me and would have even more alienated me than having a dodecahedron did. <laughs> so I look at the structure of Megloss and thinking, why why, why would Dave not enjoy Megloss? <laughs> and, um, and, and to me, it's still the basic structure. If it was Robert Holmes writing Megloss, would it have been better? Uh, what would he have done different? And you've still got your General and Rotterdeck. They, they're your Jago and Lightfoot. They're your Dibber and Glitz, aren't they? They're the two bumbling mm-hmm. characters on the on the fringe of the story mm-hmm. who are in and out and 
you know, they're, they're the mercenaries employed by Megloss. Mm-hmm. And all the structures are there in place. It's how it's delivered. I think what probably disturbed me the most as a young person, I was probably early teen watching it, was my hero was now a cactus. And Tom playing the baddie just didn't work for me with Meg Loss, I guess. Oh, so Twin, uh, twin Dilemma episode one really turned <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, see, yeah. I mean, see, I thought it was a good twist to, to have the familiar face being the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we knew as the viewer but it was a cactus. Yeah, yeah, you know, and obviously he couldn't contain himself on occasions that he coming out of his fights. But no, yeah. I mean, I thought it was an interesting twist mm-hmm. on it. Tom Baker got to be somebody who wasn't the Doctor in Doctor Who. Right. This was the second story in a row that that JNT had Tom being someone other than the Doctor. Well, I mean, he was being the older Doctor in Ledger Hive. But it really seemed, in retrospect, you know, going back that JNT was trying to. Uh, break audience uh, attachment with Tom Baker, you know, put him in old age makeup, make him a cactus. And just with his general health itself in season 18, it's it's not the same Tom that we've had for the first uh, it, it was definitely, first series. It was totally, I mean, you talked about even the music and the Starfield, you, you mentioned this earlier about changing. Yeah. I thought it was great. The first time mm-hmm. I heard it, and I, and I thought, wow, the BBC's, it's really gone places, you know, mm-hmm. when they've yeah, got this yeah. new technology. That, that, yeah. I, I mean, was this what did they get rid of Dudley Simpson? Was that one of James? Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, they had Kingsland and Howell, I think. Yeah. Peter, so so I like I like Peter Howell. I, I saw mm-hmm. him on things like Saturday Superstore, you know, the Saturday morning where they did interviews mm-hmm. with him. And I liked him. And it's like any, you know, he's just doing the job to the best of his ability. So mm-hmm. I, I thought it was really bringing Doctor Who up to date at that point. 1980s. Yeah, it, it it was quite amazing. You know, you're thinking it's just come a long way. So I like the stuff. Mm-hmm. I like the new style of the music on on first mm-hmm. listening. Yeah, it was it was all exciting. That's mm-hmm. what it meant to me. It was mm-hmm. and everything has to evolve. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. When do you either of you remember when it was announced that Tom was leaving during the series? Was it right away at the beginning of season 18, or was it uh, sometime in the middle of it? I've got to think. I probably read about it in the Doctor Who Monthly before I heard it. Hmm. I may have heard it on the news. I can't remember which, but I knew Logopolis 4 was going to be his last episode. Uh-huh. And I can remember the mad race home from a bookshop in Middleton, which is outside of uh-huh. Manchester, to ensure I got home in time to watch episode mm-hmm. four. But now I can't remember the, the precise mm-hmm. point in time where, and I couldn't tell you. I, I seem to remember that it was some point when the kind of the new team started to arrive so it was either towards the end of warrior's gate or your state of decay or full circle i'm kind of thinking that it was something either during warrior's gate or or keeper of trakin i think that's when they announced yeah because i think i think they were kind of preparing the way with romana is going adric has already arrived nissa is going to turn up the master is is a present in, um, you know, it's a reveal. But you're drawing Keeper of Truck, and we realise the master is and back. And to that point, we, I, we had a field. They were with... kind of preparing for there to be some kind of transition well, of the some stories. Kind. Were grittier, weren't they? A bit darker than what had been before. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I mean, it's, I, I I did do a little bit of preparation for this. Um, I just thought about season eighteen for five minutes. Um, but I mean, thinking thinking about season eighteen, <laughs> I think it was those first stories that re- the so it was Megloss and Leisure Hive that I didn't care for. Um, I can remember being very uh, uh, I, I and I didn't really care for Full Circle either. I think I I, I remember not liking Adric, and I think I think I I think I kind of recognised that as some kind of fan service that I didn't really care for. Did, did we know well, Adric was joining the TARDIS crew? Yeah, I think Obviously, so. you know, he's a friend of the show now, but the acting is not very good. And I think even at that age, I recognise that this person is kind of just reading out the lines and not actually well, being the it, character. It's funny, yeah, because, um, I mean, the thing, thing was that Adric was, not only was he an alien, he was from a different universe. So right. I, I kind of accepted that his behaviours and mannerisms Oh, interesting. Might be flat, and you know, yeah. compared to the people. But the, the thing that we didn't reckon on is that he had ankles made of jelly because he was convinced because <laughs> because he wanted to demonstrate this this ability of quick healing. So he'd, he'd be tripping over, and then I'm all right now. 
Thanks, yeah. thanks yeah. for that. Well, just <laughs> like the monsters I, I, get a bit closer. <laughs> I really enjoyed Warriors Gate because it was weird, uh, and also I was a big fan. Even though you know I kind of sneakily watched it without my parents noticing. Again, they kind of vaguely disapproved of it. Um, I was a big fan of ah, my mind's going blank. You know, it's a, <laughs> Secret Army. I was a big fan of Secret Army. Okay, um, and to have Kessler. The evil SS Gestapo chief of Brussels was now in Doctor Who. That was like, wow, that's amazing. Um, so I was starting to recognise, you know, actors turning up in things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I was so excited by uh, Keeper of Traken because the master was back. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I remember the crispy master from, from Deadly Assassin and like crispy master, he's back. So I, actually the season towards the end of the season, I was, you know, I was really kind of getting into it again. I did not respond well to Logopolis because I didn't like maths and I felt it was a boring story about mathematics in some way. And that kind of put me off. But in general, season 18 kind of rises for me towards the end. And I I actually got more and more interested in it as it progressed. Some of it is also to do with the school year, you know, which Mm. is a cycle and Leisure Hive and Megloss were at the beginning of the school year. And I was having to address other things at that time. It was during the production, uh, just checked, it was during the production of Warrior's Gate that it was announced that Tom was leaving the show. Oh, you just you just looked it up. Interesting. Okay. Right. Yeah, Good. so it was like, yeah, that would go with your memory then, wouldn't it? But for me as an American, I had no, and, and as a young fan, I had no idea that Tom was leaving the show or anything like that. So I was totally shocked at Legopolis that there was a regeneration because even though I had seen the transformation or regeneration of Pertwee into Tom Baker's doctor, I was I was getting more and more into it and thought that there would be a Romana spin-off show and I just <laughs> couldn't believe that by Tom regenerating into this other doctor. And it was intriguing, but it was my doctor was gone at this point. Yeah. And it was kind of disconcerting not being part of the culture that this television show is being made and not having the news surrounding it, there was maybe perhaps for me more surprises. Right. The look up this score was the end for a while. Yeah, it was. Was it, was, was Doctor Who, do, presumably Doctor Who was listed in, in TV. Did, did you have TV Guide, which was the the kind of what's on TV? And I guess it was listed in the newspaper. We didn't pay for that. My family didn't pay for that. My folks would get the newspaper. newspaper. And so there was a newspaper listing. But it was but literally, I mean, I mean, it was a line. It was yeah, a I mean, this line is, synopsis. This is a point to make for our British listener who is actually on the podcast today. So that's nice. <laughs> um, uh, the, you know, American TV listings is that's the, the name of the show. Uh, and that and the, time, the time and the time it's on. That is all you get. Maybe the lead actor. There is no Maybe. synopsis. There is no cast list. Um, there is nothing like you would have on TV sweet. Times or or Radio Times. There's literally nothing at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the things that sort of vaguely astounded me when I first started spending time in America. Is like how little information you were given on what was on the television. So would the um, would this TV paper? Would it say Doctor Who? Would it say Doctor Who Logopolis episode four? No, it would just say it would say Doctor Who, and it would say five thirty or ten ten o'clock or something like that. So what you were getting was you have to watch it and see. Yeah, yeah. It, but basically, all you the only information you got is that it was on mm-hmm. at a particular time, okay. and that is literally it. And especially, I think things on PBS, which is a public broadcasting, there was no publicity about it. The only time you'd have had any kind of access to you know, more in-depth knowledge about a show of that kind would be when they were doing a pledge drive, when, you know, (laughs) in the 80s, when they used to wheel on, you know, Colin Baker to ask you for money. Yeah, so it's not commercially driven like most American television is. It's all uh, people volunteer, send in checks to keep things on the air. And it's not like the television or the radio tax in the UK. So it's a totally different funding model. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it could be a totally different funding model for Doctor Who in the future as well, couldn't it? Oh, God, let's not get started on that. No, no just, it's yeah. another, another issue entirely, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. It is. I, yeah. But then again, there was there are those who would argue perhaps it doesn't deserve to continue. You know? Well, they don't yeah. want it to continue the way it's going. Yeah, Very yeah. yeah. But with the radio productions, with Big Finish, now... If this was happening in the 80s when they did slip back because it was off the air, uh, you wouldn't have any kind of private production companies like Big Finish. It would all be in-house BBC. Uh, yeah, so yeah. one thing with the with the change 
that they have with private studios that allows for a company that cares probably more for Doctor Who than BBC itself does because it's fan run big finish so you're going to get this great burst of output that we would never have had if it was entirely uh, bbc run so maybe 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 if there is a change in production that will finally see a full mcgann series or something or uh, you'll have different doctors running simultaneously like we have with Big Finish where you have all the classic doctors and now Eccleston coming on board doing Doctor Who yeah. along with Tennant. So maybe it could be a good thing? Here's a, here's, a, here's a question. I mean, obviously Big Finish... And Peter, I'm assuming you, you listen to Big Finish, yes, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously Big Finish have, have established that other doctors, other actors can play the Doctor. Um, you know, I I love... Tim Trelaw's Third Doctor, and I have all those audios, and they're they're super fun to listen to. They had John Culshaw has come in and is now doing the Brigadier mm-hmm. um, for those audios. Now, obviously, we're very fortunate to still have Tom Baker. Um, what is he, eighty seven or something now? Um, so you know, he's not going to be around forever because no one lives forever. Even even Tom Baker doesn't live forever. I mean, do you think we'd be happy? Uh, and John Culshaw does an amazing Tom Baker. <laughs> An amazing young Tom Baker. Yeah, you know, Tom the... Baker is doing Tom Baker at yeah, course, exactly. Right? You know, and... those kind of prank calls where he, you know, he called up Sylvester <laughs> McCoy and pretended to be Tom. Um, would we be happy with with Culshaw, for instance, coming I in? I think so. I mean, I was listening to um, Big Finish did some uh, freebies during this COVID. Yeah, and yeah. One, mm. one, I listened to some 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 quite random episodes. <laughs> right. And, um, <laughs> one, one of the ones was uh, Caroline John's daughter being the show. Right. And right. and I have no issues at all. Now, yeah. I, I'm aware that there's plans to for Sarah Jane to perhaps be Sadie, voiced. Yeah, Sadie Miller. Sadie, and Sadie, Sadie Miller, yeah. No issue of any of it. Not, none at oh. all. None at all. Okay. Um, and I think, I mean, that's I think the as long as the of, stories are good. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's the beauty of radio, you know, yeah. whatever, you know, it's of, of an audio. I know David's answer, but can I ask you, Ben? Um, yeah, sure. Were, were you, I, I am a big, big fan also of the Wilderness Years productions. And the, there was a whole collection of BBV yeah. audios, right, as well right. as the Caldor City spin-off. And there right. was tons of stuff. And, and plus the uh, couple of videos as well, you know, yeah. um, Dreamtime and the Shakedown. So the, and and the, I love the, it all. The, I enjoy yeah. it. At, at the time, during the 90s, my wilderness years interest was, was the books. So, I, you know, I, obviously I read Doctor Who magazine, but I read all the Virgin New Adventures and the Missing Adventures, um, et cetera, et cetera. And also, yeah, and also the Eighth Doctor yeah. Adventures as well. I didn't really involve myself in the audios that were produced in the 90s, all the videos, because I didn't, you know, I didn't have a huge amount of money. And, you know, I was buying a Virgin, were pumping out a book a month. So, you know, it's like, okay, I'll, I'll just read that then. So, no, and I, I and actually it's, it's on my to-do list, even though there is so much media now that it's hard to know what to do anymore. Yeah. It is on my to-do list to actually involve myself in those in those video productions. In my view, some great yeah. stories out there. Cronoids are there, the Zygons are there, Wirren's in right. there. Yeah, they yeah. saw the things they could get past copyright. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. I think I, I think I had a copy. I think I bought a copy of Downtime because I'd read the book. So then I was interested to see what the hmm. what the video was like. But that was the only one that I did. So yeah, and they did the Auton trilogy on video. Yes, and yes. I thought it was fantastic. You know, when, yeah. it, when you think it's fan produced, there was no, yeah, yeah, no big money. They yeah. just just load of lads, fans, blokes like us. Got together yeah, exactly. and said, let's do it. Yeah. yeah. I know. Which is amazing if you think about it, you know, that a show can, you know, I mean, no one no one was making, I don't know, I'm trying to think of other shows. I don't know. No one was making Secret Army extra no. episodes, um, <laughs> even though that would have been amazing and they totally should have done that. Uh, but, you know, it's, Doctor Who is, is such an important thing. Yeah, um, that I mean that people wanted to do that. Should we move on to New Who then? Shall we slide on over and you know <laughs> and talk about how we view it differently, perhaps? Um, one of the th- things I've said with David then is, yeah, when I'm listening to your older podcasts, when I listen mm-hmm. to your previews, they are amazing. <laughs> the optimism, the enthusiasm the optimism. is gushing over me. It really is. And then I listen to your review, and the <laughs> disappointment. 
is gushing yeah. and overwhelming. <laughs> it's, it's your expectations on the previews of, of the new Who series. They're, they are fantastic. I love how you guys think it's going to pan out. And then, then we watch <laughs> it good. and we're yeah. like, what the heck was that? Yeah. <laughs> what have I just endured? River song? Right. What? What? Who's this? Yeah. Right. And, so, and so here's, so here's, here's, okay. So here's my, here's my take on New Who. Um, uh, my take on New Who is, is a, I'm a big, I'm an RTD fan. I think RTD got it right, and he launched a multi-million-pound franchise from a completely moribund property, a moribund property. Um, and he did it brilliantly. And I basically, I've got so much time for that guy. And I think he did an amazing job. And both Tennant and Eccleston, I think, were superb. Obviously, as you know, I've got my problems with Moffat. And mm-hmm. I've got my problems with Chibnall. I think it's a difficult job. And I've said, you know, I'm no way am I saying that I could be a showrunner of a show like Doctor mm-hmm. Who. Because I couldn't be. Because uh, it's, it's a hard job to do. What is good always about Doctor Who, and I always take I take this from my reading of the of the tv movie in the mid 90s which was another it was a huge disappointment and we, we talked about this last <laughs> week with brian i think i enjoyed the first 15 minutes yeah, <laughs> yeah. particularly what doctor who does is it gives you doctors hmm. um and whereas i may have problems with stories from 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 matt smith and from peter capaldi and from jodie whittaker i may have problems with the stories I don't have a problem with the doctors. Um, Doctors are always good. And I kind of learnt this. Again, another learning from that is Colin Baker on doing Big Finish. Of course. You know, I think, you know, by and large, his TV stories sucked. I mean, they were incoherent, badly produced, cheap looking. The worst aspect of the 80s right there but colin baker is an amazing actor yeah and his and his doctor is a fantastic doctor and i think in some ways i'm I'm sort of look forward to having new doctors and doctors are always good it's the stories that disappoint and that's my take on it and that is the sad reality isn't it the storytelling is just not the quality it used to be or perhaps that which it needs to be it's very dumbed down i find and it's um that the stories are not aimed for for you and me and, and David. No, and and, and again, all, and I think they? I think the other thing and uh, that 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 I, I say to anyone who wants to listen to me is <laughs> is is that you know the show changes um, and the show's for kids. Um, yeah. And I know kids, children, you know, who relate very very strongly to Jodie's Doctor. Yeah, and um, do you know Jodie was as, 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 they, as they should do. And it's, I think it's fine for grown-ups like us to, you know, like, oh, well, it's not really doing it for what well, it's not supposed to do it for us anymore. It's a kid's show, and I think it always should be. I mean, it, when, when Jodie Whittaker delivers her, oh, have you seen me, mates? Oh, this is me fam. <laughs> Sheffield. Nice. I'm, I'm thinking, Jodie, don't do it. Refuse to do it. Go Tom Baker on their asses. Refuse to do it. <laughs> just, just, yeah, there needs to be more cabbage on the shoulder incidents. Yeah, she needs to storm she, out. She's better than that. She's too nice. She's better than that. She really is. And this is the thing. Nice. I, you know, I love Matt Smith's Doctor, but those Moffat episodes suck the life out of me sometimes. You know, that yeah, uh, it, it didn't it didn't make sense what he was doing. But yeah. Matt Smith was, I thought, did the role really well. I really enjoy watching Matt Smith. And Matt, Matt, Matt Smith was the, was the doctor that broke the states again. Yeah. You know, you go to, you know, I, we, I mean, David's been to one and I've been to two. You go to the Gallifrey One convention in LA and like everyone's dressed up as Matt Smith. Everyone's wearing right. fezes and shirts and, oh, you know, braces. Cool, wow. And, you know, it's Matt Smith is the doctor that broke America. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but yeah, you know, it's a kid's show. And actually, you know, as long as you watch it as a kid's show, and realize that the maybe what you don't like about it is the fact that you're not a kid anymore. That's what you don't like. This is the confession time now, isn't it? This is our confession dial podcast. Uh, <laughs> the reason we yeah. don't like it is because we're getting old. <laughs> it's because we're not children. You know, we're not kids. Um, mm. And that's us. It's not them. That could be why we're so full of optimism in our previews, too, because we're looking at it as children or yeah. from memory yeah, from a children's be. perspective and it's all about the imagination we have the characters of the doctor and the monsters and you know the memories of what 
what it could be, what it meant to us as children. And yeah. then when the reality hits, we're seeing it as adults. We're not going to see it. And it's really hard for me, if not impossible for me, to watch a 21st century Doctor Who with the same eyes that I saw it Absolutely. back in the it's 1980s. Yeah. Oh. And I think, I think, I think, I think it's, that's it. Yeah. And, and I think as a kid, the, you know, the complexity that we gave those stories in the 70s and when we were watching them in the 80s, the complexity is the complexity of a kid's imagination and where we don't find depth in contemporary Who, it's because not because older Who had a lot of depth to it, but we gave it depth because we loved it so much, um, because we were so invested in it as children, as you know, as kids, as children. And so, you know, I, it's, I, I, I mean, I, you know, obviously at some point Doctor Who's going to stop again because... Because it will. You know, <laughs> things do, you know. <laughs> right. Yes, uh, um, and I think, and I think that will be fine. I'll, I will be, I will be more content with that than I was when it stopped last time. And and then it will probably start up again yeah. at some point mm-hmm. in the future. I mean, I use probably the, after I'm dead. Use the you phrase know, which the, again, the, will also the emotional be connection between yeah. the classic series and it does not exist with the new series. So I enjoy it, and I, yeah. I will can, I will always watch it. And yeah, and yeah. eventually yeah. I'll catch up on the. <laughs> but I um, but I, I I can't. I will always hold the classic series in a different league to the new Who series. So yeah. mm-hmm. I I will never be able to. Uh, elevate new Who episodes to the same level of appreciation that I hold my classic Who, um, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm not ashamed of that whatsoever. It's just how it is. So mm-hmm. I will enjoy new Who, and I will continue to watch new. I will want to know what happens next. Yeah, but I will probably yeah. the enjoyment will never quite be at the same levels. It's, yeah, you know that's which is you know I think is and, yeah, and, and that's I think, what it's like you know, being an adult. And I think you know, <laughs> e- even with the current storyline, we're we're looking at the retconning the whole history of our Doctor Who experience, yeah, yeah. and and, it, I, and yeah. I'm kind of partly looking forward to it and partly dreading it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know? No, you're right. I mean, I feel I feel exactly the same. You know, yeah. It's it's going to be interesting. But I, you know, well, well, you know what we've said, mm-hmm. you know, it's we question the reason for doing it in the first place, really. But I, and and I think this is because because Mr. Chibnall is trying to leave his own mark in history yeah. on the show. Yeah, just like but all, like all showrunners, I think, do. do that. They all do. I think do, they all yeah. do. And it just some marks are better than others, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. I think that's a good place to leave it on. That, that is a good place to leave it. Right. Can, can, oh, right. ben, so, ben, you'll appreciate it. This is going to be yeah. wasted on David, but yeah, I, I'll share it with you. So <laughs> I, I went down to Devon and and because my mum lives in North Devon. And, right. and, and, and I saw a Dalek and I said, oh, where are you from? He said, Exeter, mate. <laughs> Exeter, mate. It's kind of in there somewhere. Exeter, mate. Anyway. Very good. Apologies. Do- Apologies. Can you yeah. cut that one, David? Yep, yep. Doctor <laughs> Who themed jokes. It's uh, especially ones that have to be delivered with a Devon West Country accent. Uh, That's the kind of content we're looking for on this <laughs> do you know, podcast. Do you know, does, is, that, is uh, David familiar with the accent we were trying to do there? Is that Pigman Josh? No, it's a, it's a, basically it's a pirate. If you it's think like about, a pirate. Oh, okay. if you think about what, how a pirate sounds, Excellent. that is a West Country accent. That's how, and the reason for that is that pirates came from Devon and Cornwall. That's where pirates came from. As the universe okay. knows. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Ah, me middies. I was down in Devon and I did see a really old pirate and I said, How old are you? He goes, I'm 80. <laughs> ah, well, thank you uh, for listening to episode 173 uh, of they, the they, they, Metabulous 2 podcast. You've lost control, David. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you for listening to episode 173 of the Metabulous 2 podcast. I have been talking to Ben and Peter about Tom Baker and early memories of Doctor Who. And I've been talking with David and Peter also about early memories <laughs> of Doctor Who. And for some reason, I turned into a bad sounding pirate at the end. No, I can't explain. Who are? Who are? All right. Space pirates. Here we come. All right. All right. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, guys. Pleasure yeah, nice talking. To, thank you for the invite. Yeah, nice to meet you. No, no, nice to meet you, Peter. And right. you, Ben. All right, guys. All right. Bye, guys. See you. Bye-bye.
bollocks, and we must away. Lady, it is my captain. Long on beard, short on legs. <laughs> oh, captain, I wish you luck from the bottom of my heart. You have a woman's bottom, my lady. <laughs> I'll wager that sweet round pair of peaches has never been forced twixt two splintered planks to plug a leak and save a ship. <laughs> Certainly hasn't, and I'm quite pleased about it. Anyway, what's wrong with women's bottoms? Not big enough, ma'am. Uh, mine might be. Uh, in that case, my little puddin' of delight. Let's beat about the bush no longer. I know I'm only a bluff old cove with no legs and a beard you can lose a badger in. But if you'll take me, I'm willing to be captain of your ship forever. What do you say? No! <laughs> yes, please. I'll be back. We'll all be back. Ah! Then this is it. Oh, 